You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury. Good morning. Okay, I needed a better response with two sunny days. Good morning, Asbury. Morning. Yes, I love to see the freshmen. Wonderful class. Yes. Yes. The surrendered class. Is that right? Yes. For some reason, my heart goes for the freshmen because they have to make a big transition uh, from high school to life as college student. I sympathize with the sophomores, too. They are the appointed ones, correct? No? Not the appointed ones. The sophomores are what? Oh, yes, the faithful ones. I got to get my cheat sheet. Okay, faithful ones, yes. Sophomores, you know, you've lost that, that uh, center of attention feeling. You're, you're, you're no longer the freshman. Oh, we've got the freshman. You've kind of delegated as not as important, but still important. Yes, and then we have the, the, the juniors, the appointed one. Now, yes. And you are the ones who feel like, hey, you know, I've made it. Those two years were great. I'm into my junior year. Your confidence is robust. You're ready to take on senior year. And then the seniors, the visionary seniors. Yes, the senior panic has not come yet. You're ready to take on the world. I, I just love all the college students. I mean, my life has been devoted to college students, uh, whether it is in the Philippines or here in the United States. So I take it such an honor to be here for your great commission. As you know, the world has really changed. I mean... Just, just, just look at your world. Apple used to be a fruit. <laughs> Amazon was a rainforest. Virus was an infection that gets to your body. Cursive writing was used to be required. A notebook is something you write on. And text was never used as a verb. <laughs> never, right? And then there was a time when you had to wait till you finished your class or chapel to go shopping. <laughs> so now you can just stop clicking the send or pay from your phones right now. But there are certain things that have not really changed because I remember as an international student and the students that I, spoke, I speak to or, or meet, they still talk about being so surprised, so impressed with how friendly Americans are. I was. Because the Americans would always ask me, 
how are you doing? I said, I've never met a group of people, strangers. I walk on campus, how are you doing? How are you doing? And of course, for me, it was a question. And so I responded with how I was doing. I was ready to give a long narrative of my day only to find them disinterested and walking out the door. <laughs> Those things have not changed in the sense of making adjustments when you go to another culture. Or can you imagine the shock I had the first semester? I arrived in September from the Philippines via Washington, D.C. And all before cell phones, yes, was, and all the students were coming, and men were excited to see their friends, and this one man just ran straight to this woman and hugged her. And you can imagine the shock I had. I said, oh my goodness, demonstrating, displaying emotions so publicly, um, maybe they're engaged to be married. So I comforted myself. <laughs> and then the same guy runs again and meets these other women and gave each one of them a hug. And I said, what's going on? <laughs> and I felt very unsafe. <laughs> I was just protecting myself. Who's going to grab me from behind? Who's gonna hug me? And it was just a real shock. But that's, that's really normal for some of us, many of us. In fact, there are about 103 million international students in our country today. 1.3 million. When I was a graduate student, there were 100,000 international students. So that tells you that was many, many moons ago. So there's things change, there are things that don't change, but God is at work in this changing world. Look at all the flags represented, you know, representing students from these countries, but also the flags of the world where God's desire is the world will come to know Jesus, that the world will understand the gospel in their own language, God's desire is the whole world will come and know him and share this international banquet of his people from every tongue and tribe and nation. But you see, back in the Philippines at the turn of the 20th century, that was the past century, in case you didn't know. That was so long ago, but the missionaries came and divided the Philippines you know, the, uh, the Alliance people went north, the Episcopalians went south of Manila, and where I live, the Presbyterians and the Methodists, I think, came and occupied and wanted to share the gospel. So they built seminary schools, orphanages, and they shared the gospel. And I'm forever indebted to the missionaries that came. They trained Filipinos. Those Filipinos shared the gospel with my parents and I am indebted to that effort. We continue to need people who will cross the seas and cross those boundaries. The model at that time was the West to the rest, okay? 
the West or the rest of the world. But what has happened is the rest of the world understood the gospel, that the gospel was not for them alone. These missionaries came and brought the gospel, and now our responsibility is to share this gospel to the rest of the world. So the global South, Asia, Latin America, and Africa, have been sending missionaries all over the world because that's the nature of the Great Commission. It doesn't only leave one place and stay in one place. And recently, the word polycentric means that missions is now from everywhere to everywhere. How about that? That doesn't mean the West is not important. That doesn't mean the East is more important. It's just that we are now participants, equal participants to what God is doing in the world. My Ghanaian friend used to be a pastor of a Chinese church in French-speaking Montreal. Okay, you can just imagine what's going on in the world. People move from one place to another that makes our world so different. So I suggest this morning for chapel is with this changing world of people moving from one place to another, we need a diff different kind of missionary. A missionary who knows the power of hospitality a missionary who knows the power of hospitality. In case you didn't know, our neighbors, neighborhoods are changing. Refugees and immigrants come. And in Kentucky alone, it has resettled the 16th largest group of Syrian refugees in recent years. Louisville has the 14th largest Somali population among metro areas and has resettled 4,000 refugees from Iraq, Iran, Somalia, Sudan, Syria. God is giving us unprecedented opportunity of the world coming to us through different means, either through the refugee or immigrant or the international student population. Hospitality, I believe, at its best should be transformative, first memorable, transformative, and catalytic to those who receive it and even to those who give it. It was your professor at the seminary here in Asbury that wrote the book, Making Room, Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition. Really, hospitality is making room, whether making room in your heart or making room in your space. So your dorm can be a hospitable dorm. You can be a hospitable person when you're able to focus and give space for someone else in your thoughts and in your presence. A Google researcher says that we are all infected with CPA, constant partial attention. We don't know how to focus. We're just constantly moving and having constant partial attention. So hospitality means I am fully attentive 
to whoever is in front of me. Now, I want you to look at this house. Let me see if I can. Okay. Let's see. Forward. There you go. Now, when you look at this house, you will not rent this on your next Airbnb selection. It will never pass uh, uh, the architect or the engineer, engineers because it was somewhat built not with perfection but with a lot of affection because my father built this house. There's seven children. He understood that certain buildings were going to be torn down. So he collected the wood from that building and built this house. But this house is where I was born. And this is where I learned hospitality. That hospitality has nothing to do with colors, coordinated dishes, and beautiful furniture. I understood from this home that hospitality had everything to do with the size of your heart, not the size of your living room or your home. This is the place where, as a little girl, my parents, who were tailors, okay, I'm moving forward, there we go, who were tailors, would always invite people who were just walking down the street, come, stay a while. And as a little girl, I'm number six of seven children, so I get all the commands, right? So they say, go get the coffee. And I will be the one reheating and reheating that coffee for the guests. But that's what hospitality was to my parents, that just offer them something we have. And that's what we did. That's what we did. So I understood that hospitality had nothing really to do with a lot of the elegance or a lot of the commercial things we think about. And it has become entertainment rather than hospitality. So that's the first place where I learned hospitality. But as Christians, we have learned and understood hospitality because God was the first one who was hospitable to us. We understand what God's love is when he welcomed us. Undeserving of his love, he extended this gorgeous, beautiful, crazy love to us sinners. So if there's any people in the world who understand or should understand hospitality, it would be us. God was hospitable to us. That is why we are hospitable to others. We have been loved. That's why we love. We have been hosted. That's why we host others. Because Paul reminds us, even in Ephesians, that Christ... We were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope, without God in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you who once were away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So what does hospitality look like if it is to be memorable, transformative, and catalytic? I want to take you to a story in Genesis, Genesis 18. And this is Abraham, the story of Abraham and the wonderful guest that he had that day. 
It reads, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. While he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Now, I want you to imagine Abraham. We don't live in tents. We don't live in the desert. We're not nomads. But just imagine yourself on your porch, sipping your sweet tea, and some strangers come by, and Abraham's was, response was, come. He hurried. He lift up his robe, ran to the strangers, and, and bowed to the ground, and said, if I have found favor, in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way so that you can come, you can come to your servant. Please come. This is a high view of strangers. I understand stranger danger. We need wisdom when relating with people we don't know. But in this example, strangers were elevated. Abraham was saying, I can't wait to have you in my home. Please come. Have your feet washed. Rest under the shade. You've traveled a long ways. That is hospitality. Those three strangers, that's memorable to them. They've been walking. And here comes Abraham saying, we're going to have water for your feet, friends. And then very well, they said, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. That was not all. Washing their feet was not hospitality at its best. He said, quick, get three seals of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And then he ran to the herd, selected a choice tender meat. The best of the best was offered. Food was offered to this guest. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. He didn't even deserve to be in their company. What a special treatment. Have you ever been treated like that? so special. I feel like staying at your guest house. Have you seen that great house on top of a hill in Wellmore? Have you seen that? Okay, I just didn't know whether you noticed that hill. <laughs> That's where I stayed last night. And I said, wow, I've spoken in many campuses. This is the best yet. I mean, they treated me well, you know, I don't have any ideas. They did take me to hotels and so on, but nothing like this. This is hospitality at its best. But for Abraham, it was different. He was welcoming this guest, and guess what? This guest had a message for Abraham and asked, where is Sarah, your wife? Oh, she's out there in the tent. Well, we have a message for you. She's going to be a mom. She's going to be pregnant. And can you imagine the blushing of his face? In our terms as women, she's past her childbearing years. She's postmenopausal, maybe. Okay, so she's way past. How can that be? So Sarah started laughing at the tent. How can this be? But the angels 
of the messengers or the visitors who turned out to be angels had this message for him. God had promised a few verses or a few chapters before chapter 18 that he would have a son. And through his son, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was a promise. Do you think Abraham had a suspicion that the three guests were going to give him a message? I don't think so. He did what was expected and what was called for. His hospitality was memorable. And now it is transformative because it's going to change his life because he heard the message that God is going to fulfill his promise. And the message was through three strangers. It's also catalytic because catalytic means one event leads to another that leads to another that leads to another because of that promise that God kept. Isaac was born, and through that, the lineage of Jesus that we trace. From that moment on, the world has been changed. The promise of God was kept. Abraham was transformed. It was a memorable moment. So hospitality at its best is memorable, transformative, and catalytic. Now, I showed you the picture of my parents. Do that again. They came to the United States as immigrants. Okay. So these are the new, sorry, the new immigrants. Okay. They came to Fairfax, Virginia, and they moved to National City, California, to start a church. The last 25 years of their lives, they lived in the United States. Now, I want you to imagine my home in Fairfax, Virginia. I was living with my sister. I was not married then, and my parents and myself were living with my sister. And my sister had always loved international students, and a lot of international student, students came from all over the world, hosted in her home. And my parents were nice and kind, and they would cook for them and welcome them. One day, my father said to me, Lisa, I'm having a hard time. And I said, what's the matter, Dad? Or Tatai, in my language. And he said, I, I just don't know what's going on. When I see these kinds of people come, my blood boils. And I said, I knew exactly what was going on. There was no exact translation of racial prejudice, but there was word for my blood boils. There is hate rising. And I said to him, Tatai, I understand. It takes time to understand people from different cultures. Give yourself time. You have to understand that being number six of seven children and you have an elderly father, he will never reveal his weaknesses to any of the children. And here was my father saying to me, I'm having a hard time. So something is going on in him. He was asking for help. And I said, it will give yourself time. And I don't know exactly when it happened. One day he was welcoming the world to his home. And the person that showed up 
was Marcus from Angola. Marcus from Angola, the very people my father said, my blood boils when I see them. Marcus was big and burly, and he just hugged my dad, lifted him up, and said, Tatai. All that simmering, blood boiling feeling disappeared. He became a son to my father. Well, BFF if you want, you know. They, they would do things together. He was just there for my father. And what happened was, Marcus would come and visit. He was a graduate student at American University. And they loved wrestling, professional wrestling. He would call and say, Tatai, I have tickets, let's go. And I would dissuade my dad and tell him, it's not real, they just pretend they're falling. And uh, he would say, no, this is Marcus inviting me. So he goes. One day there was no more money for scholarship for Marcus because in Angola it was war torn. They were having issues with their money coming out of the country and he didn't have his scholarship. Who was looking for a job for him? My father went out in the neighborhood and asked if they needed their lawn mowed. So they were mowing the lawn. He and my dad, Marcus and my father. What happened here? The hospitality has become memorable. It is transforming both of them. A few years later, Marcus become the becomes the Angolan ambassador to the United Nations. Wow, you should have seen my father. He walks like, whoa, you know. My son is an ambassador. There's seven pictures of us who graduated in college, all graduation pictures in the basement, all displayed. Seven insurance policies for my parents. <laughs> and they said there should be one for Marcus. One for Marcus, of course, one for Marcus. My mother even found out, Marcus, they have diamonds in Angola. And you know, the indirect way, Asian indirect way, is as direct as, remember me, maybe a diamond ring for your mama. <laughs> Two years later, he had ceased to be the ambassador. My father died. He heard about my father's passing, and at the end, at the beginning of the memorial service, as we sat in the front, I heard a commotion in the back, and there was Marcus opening the door of the church, coming in. If you're late, you sit in the back, not Marcus. And I'm kind of embarrassed for him. I'm looking, and I said, where is he gonna sit? He kept walking and walking, and walking, and walking in that middle aisle where my dad's casket was there. He kept walking straight and stopped at the pew where my mom and I and my other siblings were seated. He walked straight into that seat, parted me and my mom, and flopped himself <laughs> right there in the very center. And 
Here is Marcus. Oops. Am I doing the right thing with this one? Marcus at my father's funeral. When he sat between me and my mom, he was declaring that I belong. I am part of this family. He was declaring that he was like a son to my father, whose heart was boiling prior to meeting him. This is the hospitality this world needs because the world is now coming to our doorstep. The world has changed and is continually changing. And my prayer for this class, the four different classes, that you will be people with hospitable hearts, that being around you is going to be memorable, transformative, and catalytic. Because in Hebrews, it tells us, welcome strangers, for in so doing, you might be entertaining angels unawares. My question for you is, how big is your heart today? How hospitable would you like to be? Because there is power in opening that heart for people who don't look like you, who don't live like you. You don't know where you will end up when your heart is transformed and God meets you through the strangers in your midst. Let's pray and I'll ask the worship team to finish our song and let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I just pray that you will animate the message that was heard this morning. I pray that as we think of your great commission, it is not out there, but it is here, and it begins with us. It begins with our hearts. So we surrender ourselves to you anew and ask that you will take away anything that keep us from reaching out to people, keep us from loving those who are different from us, starting here on campus that we will be willing to cross the street, to cross the aisle, to cross the hallway in order to reach out others who don't know you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>